Hello and welcome to the Extreme Hardware Podcast, installment number 10, also known as episode number 9 to Chris and the rest of the world. I don't even I don't even care anymore. <laughs> I do not remember. And that's I do not remember recording this last week. I don't know what we talked that's about. The defeatist mentality that I was hoping for. Perfect. Anyway, um I'm your host Alex and we have joining me today a very special um person chris <laughs> yeah that's me <laughs> uh along with that uh we have simmons as usual he is um simmonsy i guess he's also very special simony simmons i mean I- Sh- sure cinnamon simmons i guess that, that's I don't like, like that. your stripper you know name oh i hope not (laughs) and uh then we have the delightful delectable whatever uh the delightful frick frock i suppose you know so good you had to say it twice i've run out of i've run out of these you know i i didn't i say this last time like eventually you're gonna run out and then what do you do now i had had a d in my mind it's just lazy but now i've forgotten what the d was You've made a fool oh, you yourself. Had a D in your mind. Everybody <laughs> yeah, is laughing at you for I've what you've done. Uh, that's all right. So I, that's annoying. I've just opened up a uh, Hershey bar because uh, I bought clearance sale Halloween candy. Oh yes, there you go. See now that's a smart man. Okay, wait, ingenuity. Frick, Frick you are someone who is a renowned candy connoisseur. I do eat. Um, yes. What What is your opinion of Hershey's chocolate? Because it is quite a hotly contested sort of chocolate. Now, so I, it's funny because I, I reviewed a Hershey bar on the channel. And the only reason I reviewed a Hershey bar on the channel is because the Hershey bar is the most popular chocolate bar in America. Which really just says more about America than anything else. <laughs> Honestly. I mean, but it is kind of America. Well, no, okay. So the Hershey bar originally came out because... Real chocolate back in the days, like in the early 1900s or whenever, real chocolate was going through a bit of a crisis and it was really, really expensive to get. So John Hershey Dingleberry, whatever his name is, came up with it. (laughs) And he's like, I want to make chocolate affordable for the masses. So we basically made this bar that's like 20% cocoa and like 80% filler is essentially what it is. So it was meant to be chocolate for a mainstream audience. And um, yeah, despite having more cocoa than ever, it's still using that same recipe. So, yeah. Oh, also, I was gonna say, yeah. So, you know, go ahead. Since it's uh, since it's the holiday season at long last, it is November first, which means we are now allowed to acknowledge that Christmas exists. Uh, I got some Ghirardelli peppermint bark as well. Uh, been going Oof. through withdrawal for that stuff for oh ten months. I mean, honestly, do you just need to stock up? Yeah, dude, I keep it in the freezer. That's what I did last year, except I ran out by February. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. First of all, you're not supposed to eat an entire package in one sitting. Shut up, Simmons. It's my diet. (laughs) Real quick. This is how you get your diabetes. It's advanced diabetes. Diabetes. What you got to do now? Now, Alex, you're actually in an interesting position because now Simmons and I and probably Chris Mm-hmm. We always get um, eggnog around this time of year, but I don't know mm-hmm. if that was that common oh, where you yeah. came from. Are you guys going to get hella eggnog now, or are you just grossed out by it? So back in Africa, the land of dirt, um, eggnog was quite a rare commodity. Uh, 
No, Ooh. okay. I, I actually never had eggnog in South Africa. It's it's not even like unpopular. It's just like not a thing at all. <laughs> no one's heard of it. <laughs> no, no, no one. Because <laughs> the thing about South Africa, it's in the Southern Hemisphere. So a lot of the Christmas traditions are very different because it's going you're into full-blown summer. So instead right. of being like, oh, you're indoors, you know, huddled around a fire and kind of warm drinks and stuff like that, you're kind of going for the complete opposite. So it's more like you have a, a braai outside, which is a barbecue for Americans, and um, you get all sure. the family together. And like, it's a very outdoorsy thing, you know, you go swimming and whatever like that. And um, yeah, a, a lot of American traditions, I think, of also like foods and stuff are focused around warmth and you know like the warmer dishes warmer foods warmer drinks and stuff indoors so what's so, the south african equivalent of eggnog so that um getting absolutely smashed on beer or wine oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean but, but i think that i think that's a worldwide tradition honestly let's let's be real here mm -hmm. <laughs> no like, people think like pineapple and pizza is a contentious thing to argue about eggnog has some of the most fervent debates i've ever seen so with eggnog just out of curiosity um homemade eggnog at least from what i've experienced because i haven't had that much homemade eggnog is by far and away the best like absolutely i don't know why store-bought eggnog is so bad because it's it's well because simple ingredients uh well but you have to pasteurize it for shelf life so so a lot of a lot of the 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 niceties that you get from fresh eggnog just won't work because it will expire after a few days yeah due to nature my friend is daddy uh also yeah. the way pasteurization works you can do it for a long time at a relatively low temperature or you can do it for a short time at a very high temperature guess which one gets uh better throughput on a production line mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense um but yeah i i think i think definitely this christmas i'm gonna be a making some eggnog for myself that's gonna be interesting i think i think you will have much to say because you can join you can join the debate now i'm not gonna say what's i lay on mm -hmm. but i will say that um if you're in the right mood if you've got that very specific craving there's nothing that quite satisfies you with like a cup of eggnog it's just unmatchable oh well yeah and then if if you're feeling extra spicy you just add like a little bit of like it's like whiskey to it like fireball Ooh. or something like that and oh my god that's it right there i um have a confession to make i've never actually had eggnog and the idea repulses me because eggs are oh chris do you like mayonnaise no Okay, well, all right. Well, I was going to say, if you like mayonnaise, then I would have to judge you. But since you don't like mayonnaise, then we're Do you right. like Wait, is egg? Is egg? Yeah, you go for it. Is eggnog just mayo plus liquor? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. No, no. But the, but the premise is that you're making it with uncooked egg. Like, mayonnaise is made with egg yolk, if I remember yeah. correctly. No, no. The good stuff is, is egg yolk? yolk, but it's... Look, like, mm, right, I'll egg. eat... I will eat just cookie dough by the bowlful, but that doesn't really count because the egg is very minimal. It's just there as an emulsifier. It doesn't really add that much flavor That's to it. That's exactly yeah, for eggnog. Then why is it called eggnog if the egg is only a small part? Have you ever looked up a recipe for eggnog? No. Well, all right, do that after the podcast because but we should probably start talking about tech. Me. I'm looking at <laughs> eggnog. <laughs> is your standard, this is your standard eggnog recipe, Chris. It's four eggnog, oh, four egg yolks, four a third eggnogs. <laughs> I mean, that would work too. Four curtains of egg, yeah, eggnog. <laughs> eggnog recipe. Use eggnog. 
right. It's, uh, it's four egg yolks, a third a cup of sugar, plus a tablespoon of vanilla, a pint of whole milk, a cup of heavy cream, three ounces of bourbon, a teaspoon of grated nutmeg, and four egg whites. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, the recipe. I mean, it's, wait, why are the yolks and the whites? That is, yeah, you know what? Well, I think it's, you, you add them in separately after a different part of the Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that would do it. Because when you when you do the the yolk and the sugar together, it it, it gets really creamy, um, and then then you probably fold and like whipped egg whites or something. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a cook. Um, so <laughs> just before we get onto tech, I wanted to round all the way back up to the beginning. What is your personal opinion okay. of Hershey's, Frick? That oh. was the original question. That's right. It's eggnog tangent. Um, no, you know what? <laughs> I, I think I when I reviewed it, I gave it like a three, maybe a three and a half. Mm-hmm. It is. In a, out of six. Out of six. You. It is very, I guess the best way to describe it would be like wax, like candle yeah. wax with a bit of cocoa flavoring in it. Yeah. So remove, uh, I would just say wax. Remove all the nostalgia, all anything, just purely as a candy or chocolate by itself. What would you rate it? Oh, God. Probably like a two and a half. Probably. Yeah, I'd say probably one and a half for me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's not very good. Uh, I would not describe it as wax, though. This is like a much softer, meltier texture than wax. Um. I, and the only reason why I'm giving it so low, is because the thing with Hershey's is by itself, it's nothing special. I mean, it's a great mixing chocolate if you're like, have a, has a recipe that needs like a chocolate drizzle or you're making a really fast hot fudge or something. It's That's inoffensive. Fine, but, but, but on its own, it's nothing special. No. You, like American Kit Kats are, are far superior, and yes. I'm not a big fan of American Kit Kats. Um, they're really not that different from European ones. Well, I'm granted I'm comparing to Japanese Kit Kats, which is basically just Belgian chocolate with this really, really light wafer. It's just oh yeah, it's it's a religion over there. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, there's actually there's two Brit now. I don't want to give too many spoilers, <laughs> but I, I may or may not be reviewing the most expensive Kit Kats you can get. And maybe I got Ooh. those. Um, but there's there's actually three different varieties of Kit Kats in Japan. There's regular, there's light, and then they have a special branding called premium. Mm-hmm. Now these are high-end, super expensive Kit Kats. That only like they don't come in like all the flavors like regular Japanese Kit Kats do when there's like 50, 60, 100 flavors. Premium Kit Kats, oh there's gosh. maybe five, maybe five. And they're very selective with, with who and which companies can make flavors in premium versions. So if you want one, get it as soon as you can because they sell out really fast and they're super pricey, like 25 bucks for one and thing. And that's Frick Frock 99. There you go. <laughs> No, is it? It's, well, you could just type in Sir Sebastian, but yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, actually trying to move so, on to some news. So, uh, yeah, speaking uh, of religion, let's talk about those new NVIDIA graphics cards. <laughs> sure. Okay. So, <laughs> as you know, NVIDIA is amazing at its naming scheme. That's why they introduced something with a lower number that is successor to... They're not good at their naming scheme. Although... Actually, graphics cards are terrible with their naming scheme. Anyway, NVIDIA is releasing a GTX 1650 Super, which, as you can probably guess, is a better version of a GTX 1650, which slots somewhere in... God, I I actually don't know how it would relate to Pascal. 
I think I'm looking Turing. at GPU boss right now while you're talking. About I mean, it. it's still better. Like it's still Turing. It just doesn't have ray tracing or tensor cores. Well, I mean, he's trying to compare it to like a Pascal. Yeah, the, the naming oh, scheme uh, is kind 1060? of 1060. Yeah, the naming. I think it's about a 1060. Okay, so about a 1060, even though it's got the other one moniker in front of it. It's obviously not an RTX card, um, but it's just kind of boosted up. It's got four gigs extra uh, VRAM, so you got. Wait, no, it doesn't. I lied. <laughs> Going from GDDR5 to GDDR6, which boosts it from 8 gigabits a second to 12 gigabits a second. Um, you also get... Oh, you turkey. Thank you. You also get more CUDA cores, <laughs> uh, which is like 30%, I want to say, increasing CUDA cores. Otherwise, it's just, you know, usual clock bumps and um, slightly more power usage. Same VRAM, 4 gigs. So I've got a question. Why the, why the hell... Are, is it so is super just the, the buzzword I, and why what happened to the ti because ti was just a really good dif differentiator i remember when the gtx 780 came back uh, out back in 2013 i believe uh, and then the 780 ti dropped a couple months after i purchased mine which just felt really wonderful let me tell you um the, the 780 ti was just so widely regarded mm. as the far superior gpu i mean because it was basically the titan equivalent on the gtx side. so um yeah uh no, Chris, well Chris, i mean Chris, they used to use hang on one second because i know you're gonna go on a huge tangent because you always speak for really long and i'm not gonna speak for really long um i'm trying really hard not to say bad words i'm gonna go refill my water <laughs> i hate you dad <laughs> okay uh Simmons, just the thing you said like why are we going to super i actually kind of i'm like the only guy that isn't offended by the super name because ti for me or ti what it seems to be was had a smaller version of the same um architect not architecture but this is the same sort of core so it was like still you know tu116 or 102 you know what i mean like that kind of thing it just had more of it unlocked whereas super seems to be jumping to a different sort of i don't know what to call it but a different size node or gpu core different die. different die thank you um wafer that's not entirely accurate because the 2060 Super is still using the same. Uh, and so is the, the same thing. 2080, but. Yeah. So, like, Super. It func it's functionally equivalent to a TI. It's just, I think Super here is supposed to mean, like, oh, it's like a soft refresh of the two, of like Turing, as opposed to it's Turing, but a little bit faster. I'm not really sure what they're going with here. I it's looked at some of the value propositions like, for this because I was curious because that, I mean, there's no doubt the 1650 is definitely more budget oriented line. So I was wondering which one of these um, GPUs would be the best value. And I could have sworn to be the 1650. Guess what the number one best money for value GPU is right now based on benchmarks. Based on bench, what I, frick, I swear if you're using like GPU boss, I'm going to slap. You. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> what is it? Um, I, I'm going to say it's going to be something like 1060, 580, or um, uh, 2070. Okay, so you're close. According so the number one and two, number one is the 570, and number two yeah. is the 1660. Okay. Yeah. See, here's the deal, though, because low-end cards... Yeah. Let's say let's say you're buying... Let's say you're dropping 1000 bucks on a gaming PC, and you've got an RX 570 in it. 
if you spend a hundred dollars extra and you go to the 1660 super i mean i think that's a hundred bucks extra like 570s are really cheap these days but like just spend the hundred bucks extra 10 percent more you're gonna get a hell of a lot more than 10 percent more performance out of your gpu well the pricing it's got listed here says that you can get it in rx 570 an rx 570 for like 110 bucks but the cheapest 1660 is like 200. Okay, so my point still stands. You're spending, for a little bit more overall system cost, you can get a hell of a lot more performance. Or if you're upgrading from a 570 to something, you're going to be spending... It, it just it doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. But then how else that, not, am I going to fit my, um, you know, my, my sick R9... Three nine words. My R9 3900X into that uh, sweet budget build. You got to have those twelve cores. Uh, uh, oh yeah, you're right. I need dude, all I, that game I, cash. I multitask so hard. I watch YouTube twice. <laughs> it's crazy. Like every single core needs. You know, I got one core for Discord. I got one core for this YouTube video. I got <laughs> oh, one. Absolutely. Core. I got one core for Reddit. I got another core for um, uh, my alternate account on Reddit where I upvote myself <laughs> from a side. <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, People have to know I'm I mean, right. Here, here's the deal. Someone's going to think like, I'm not joking as well. <laughs> no, okay. So I'm looking at. Um, all right. So right now, mm-hmm. you think, or just I think we can all agree the best value right now is probably the 1660. Right? There's no doubt. Yeah, so uh, 1660 Yeah, because the 1660 Super is literally $10 more than the 1660. Mm. And it offers a good chunk more performance. Like, the oh, to bring up Chris's point as well, I find people are very sort of, I mean, for better lack of words, stingy when it comes to graphics cards. They're like, oh, the all-in board is, you know, you know, the the custom PCB and stuff is like, oh, it's 30 bucks more. But that that same person is probably going to spend more on that in coffee in one week. You know, it's like it's just just 30 bucks. Like, I know whatever, but like, oh, God, Alex, don't call me out like this. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, oh, my God, dude. I I I mean, you just need my PSLs. Chris, you have the Starbucks app, right? And you load up money onto it and then you pay with that. Have you looked at how much you spend a month? (sighs) Have you? No, he has not. And that's what what you need to do is. On the first, I or you know somewhere like in the end of the month or the beginning of the month, put it a preset amount of money into that, and then never reload it. That will make you budget. I will yeah. put one thousand dollars <laughs> into it, Chris. Chris. <laughs> and he blows it in oh, three. Oh, that weeks. reminds me. When I had to, so I had some money from South Africa, right? And it came in because of like <laughs> no, no, because of like tax returns, and it costs about fifty dollars to transfer money to Canada. And I didn't want to spend, because it was like $150. I didn't want to spend 50 bucks of that to transfer $150. So what I did is I put $150 on my Starbucks card. <laughs> Using South African Rand as opposed to real money. Oh, yeah. I mean, the trans- yeah. the, I mean, the conversion ratio wasn't as good, but it was much better than losing $50 for no reason. Oh, <laughs> I absolutely. Don't want the damn government to have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we can call it quits on that 1650 super something or another. 
I think so. I, I mean, I'm just so fed up with it. I think if I had one last thought on that, I would. I think I would be happier with the naming convention if they went with, with like 1665. <laughs> like just that's better. Like, honestly, no, no, because they used to do that. They used no. to do that with the yeah. Why are they afraid of the number five? Well, and, and and it's like the same like like numbering convention that you see with the CPUs these days, where you have your 3770 versus your 3775 okay. and stuff along Actually, those lines. It's just incremental. Let's increases. not drop it because there's another thing I want to talk about that's kind of related to it. There's been leaks with the um, next gen and video cards being named the 3000 series, which is interesting because they have almost always, well, they skipped the 300 series. Yeah. Wasn't that the mobile only division? Yeah, it technically existed, yeah. but I think it was not any different to Fermi or... Um, Oh, I can't remember the two. It was a bunch of uh, Tesla and Fermi rebrands and like the low end stuff exclusively for mobile. Actually, no, no, no. That predated Fermi. That was exclusively Tesla and the low end crap. OK, but yeah, it's just I mean, at least if they go to the 3000 series, at least they're going to maybe stick to some sort of, you know, naming scheme that makes a little bit of sense. I don't. But think it, so. it's honestly, I've lost it has hope. to be advertising like. As much as a lot of people complain about, oh, this is stupid, they must have done some market research. And like, even if people think it's stupid, people still probably buy it. Like, you see this a lot with cars, where people complain about, oh, this feature's stupid. But then the people actually buying it tend to buy it, you know, are more biased towards buying that car with that feature. I mean, I think it still follows the standard conventions of a higher number is usually better. And if I'm Joe Schmo buying my first graphics card, I mean, I think I could even figure out, oh, 2080 is higher than 1660. This but must be the stronger version. I think they're really adverse to trying to make it look like a jumble of numbers. And I think <laughs> like 2085 looks a lot worse than 2080. Oh, dude, you think that's bad? Have you seen the naming conventions for monitors? It's just a bunch of random consonants and numbers that they throw. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, but I'll give the monitors a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because at least with like LG's numbering convention, the numbers, if you actually dive into it, do have some sort of relevance. Asus to is size terrible. The curve. I'm I'm only looking at LG here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Agreed. So no, but but a lot of these numbering conventions, at least from LG's perspective, and I think Samsung has a similar numbering convention where it's just specifically referring to features associated with the current generation of monitor. Yeah. I know, especially with LG, like the nine versus the seven at the very end was re referencing a higher quality panel versus a lower quality panel. A B versus a C was a curved screen versus a flat screen. And then uh, there's, there's just a bunch of other things along those lines. So I'll give monitors the benefit of the doubt only for that reason. Uh, I know with my Asus monitor that, um, I have the P27Q, I want to say, and then Asus replaced it with like a P27QG, but it's not a direct yeah. replacement other than the fact that it's 24 in, I mean, 27 inch, because it's, instead of being IPS, it's TN, instead of having like, um, uh, what's that, like backlight, it doesn't have backlight strobing, it's still G-Sync, but it's a higher refresh rate. It's like, for all intents and purposes, a different channel of monitor focus. Because I was like, oh, the P27Q is, you know, it's discontinued. Let me see what the successor is, thinking it's still going to be I like all the same things, but better. No, it's just a completely different type of monitor. It's like, oh, so yeah. Anyway, um, 
Here, I, I, here, so here's one of the monitors that just came across. This is an actual thing that Samsung has enabled their monitors, okay? Samsung C32HG7D32. Can you figure out what that means? Yeah. Because I can. No, because I'm not, in, not so bad. I'm not in tune with Samsung monitors. Dell's not so bad either. Um, although I think they've oh. gotten worse. Because they had the whole ultra sharp lineup, which was like a professional lineup. And then P oh. for actually professional. I mean, I like what Asus is doing with their ROG monitors, where they just call it like no. Swift or something. Uh, yeah, oh, no. that's simple God. enough. No, that's no, easy. So, no, that's literally what I was complaining about. Like, I have a ROG Swift P27Q, but like the successor is not the successor to this. It's a completely different name, which annoyed me. No, because yeah, it's hard to find, and actually they didn't even properly replace it. They replaced it with a 34-inch ultra wide thing, which is not even the same thing. So, <laughs> it's not even a monitor. I don't, it's a mouse. <laughs> yeah. So, Simmons. Gamers. Um, I know yes. you like Google because because um, I'm, I'm oh, lying. Boy, do I? I don't know if you like Google or not. <laughs> um, it's a it's a major corp. Whatever. Yeah, it's like those people that like Amazon. But is it the good corporation or the bad corporation? Well, I don't know, Chris. Let's see how much data they've got on you. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Yeah. So, so anyway, <laughs> so uh, a recent acquisition, I believe on Friday, uh, Google agreed to buy Fitbit for $2.1 billion. Chump change for Google. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, honestly, like, the only thing that I, I'm seeing out of this is just, like, this, the whole Fitbit smartwatch thing is, like, the craze is gone at this point. Uh, no, no. Like, like I think we said this um, two or three podcasts ago. The most sold watch is the i. I mean, the Apple Watch. Yep, by far. Well, okay, but 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 I, I, okay. So that that's not what I'm referring to because with the the novelty of the Fitbit being that it was a fitness first watch. Oh no, definitely. And then as technology was developing, and then the Apple Watch came to fruition, the Samsung Watch came to fruition. Then the Fitbit had to start integrating with like Android OS and iOS just to say, hey, look, guys, we're still relevant. So Fitbit having to put more money into these products to make them competitive on the market with like the Apple Watch as a perfect example, they're just not profiting as much these days, if at all. And I feel like Google is like, yep, this is the perfect opportunity to just inject ourselves perfectly into this ecosystem and just here we go fitbit is now going to be a google product i mean yeah it's going to be the google i mean the pixel watch or the pixel uh, yeah go. i mean but that's what i'm saying i i don't think they're going to do the the strap that literally is a fitbit they're just going to use this and make it into a pixel watch or whatever um oh right god what's making noise um we can't hear that i uh, we're not hearing anything Ah, uh, I accidentally put on Lincoln Park. <laughs> <to type it. laughs> okay, I'm sorry. When I'm done. Goodness. Okay, but you know, you know, in like RTS games, when you get to like the end game and you're playing against AI and you just have like just infinite money, like it, it doesn't even matter. That's kind of what it feels yes. like for these like large corporations now. Like it just corporate no, but it just doesn't matter. I like just spend money. It's like, oh, who cares? You know, I've just got billions more. I think it's yeah, it's more about them not wanting to take risks on new technology because Google has tried a lot of tech that's failed horribly. 
I think. Oh, Google kills half of their stuff. Well, I mean, they're better than EA when it comes to acquiring new property, so give them that much. <laughs> but no, when, I mean, That's, what's what's the last mm. big thing besides like the Pixel phone that Google made, like hardware, that you're like, oh, Pixelbook. I think that has a future or something? Pixelbook. Google yeah. Stadia. Dabs. Oh, God. <laughs> you only need a 200 megabit connection for 30 FPS. Well, and and honestly, I think I think you've got a good point, Frick, because like if you look at what the direction that BlackBerry has gone with their phones, they've completely ditched the BlackBerry OS and they've just gone for Android yeah. because it makes sense for them to develop the hardware and just use a known good software architecture. And from Google's perspective, they've got the software side. Now they just need the hardware side that is a known good. And Fitbit definitely had that. Um, maybe. I, I thought, I thought I mean, they were very a, inaccurate. Well, okay, so when I say a known good, I mean as, like, they were, they were able to crank out a product. Huh, they were crank. able to mass produce a product. Sorry. Nice. That's very 25-year-old <laughs> man. 25-year-old <laughs> <25 laughs> no, no. man. But, <laughs> just channel. Um, so, so we're, they were just, it, it's like, it's a company that has been known to per, uh, be able to sell and mass produce a product. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it was a high quality product or not is a different conversation entirely, but the product line is already there. So now all Google has to do is just inject what they want into the product, be it new designs, new hardware, XYZ, and they already have the production line, so they just integrate into the production Not line. just that, the, you know, Google's most successful, like one of their most popular products right now isn't even their product line. It's their uh, Nest Cams. They have oh, yeah. so oh, many yeah. different Nest, like doorbells and yeah. thermostats and all that stuff. That stuff is more popular than their in-home stuff, like the, uh, the Slate and the Pixel. Was now, was it the Google product? Uh, is it the portal that it was basically just the dedicated Facebook. tablet for doing a video no, conference? Facebook. Okay, so that's a okay because I feel like Google had a similar product that did a similar thing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. The, the, the Facebook but, portal, you know, when you go into like a shopping mall and you see those giant screens for directions, <laughs> that's yes. all I imagined. Like it's so. Why would weird. I want a Facebook portal? I don't well, okay. want Facebook around me, and the Facebook portal is just Facebook, but hardware. Okay, so first of all, the target audience, the target audience, uh, <laughs> oh, we're 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 good, but no, no, the target audience of the Facebook portal is obviously hardcore Facebook users. You mean old so people? What the hell is a hardcore <laughs> Facebook Look, user? Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Facebook started out as this fun website where you could meet up with your friends, and now it just turns your grandma into a neo-Nazi. Like, <laughs> it's got wow. Okay, I guess we're going with it. No, but be, no, honestly, Chris, what I'm what I'm getting at specifically is uh, the the marketing that I saw for this portal device was quite literally grandparents communicating with their, uh, with parents and kids or grandkids. And Other, so, their parents, parents and kids. Their parents and kids. Be very clear there. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so from our perspective, grandparents and parents being able to communicate easier while they're just doing random stuff around the house, mm -hmm. and that, and that, and that's the market for it. It's, it's really not like us uh, who we really dislike the uh, like Facebook and what God, the Google I, monitoring and stuff along those lines. Got, so obviously, we're not the target audience here. Yeah, we've got like the target audience those. is people with money. Bring back Google Plus. <laughs> bring back Google Plus. Bring back Google Plus. No, we've got no, no. We've got uh, echoes like all over the house, Why? and I just like scream and I don't know because there was like a really good deal on them last year, so Dad bought a bunch. But it's like 
we we've got them all over the house. I don't use it because they're they're just bad. I di- I dislike them, and it's like I just scream internally every time Mom shouts at it, like Alexa, what's the weather? And it's like. No, stop. Just use your phone. Check online, please. Look outside. Look outside. I mean, that's <laughs> just that doesn't, stick your hand outside the window like that one book of the Berenstein Bears. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That, that doesn't actually tell it's, you the temperature. Oh, God. No, let's not start this. No, don't no, start no, this. No, don't no, start no, this. No, 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 no. You don't want to go down this rabbit hole. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure it's a Bernstein. No, <laughs> Alex. No, I, I, like I, I didn't no. grow up watching them. I grew up watching like movements as well. Um, well, I'm glad I didn't grow up watching them because they're a book series. <laughs> well, I so that'd be a really point. confusing childhood. <laughs> it proves my point. Um, yeah, no, just like movements or something. <laughs> this is very unrelated. Um, I was gonna say. Speaking of going down rabbit holes. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Speaking of the nest thing, which is the rabbit hole, but I'm going to ignore it anyway. What do you guys think about that? Um, I think it was released actually like last year. The the smart log or the smart plank. What? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a piece of wood with a camera I... in it. There you go. <laughs> no, no. It is. Um, it's. I think it's it's a two by four with an Arduino. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's called um, Mui, Mui, Mui. It's a, All right, okay. if you want to put that in the thumbnail, I've got some uh, two by fours and some Arduinos. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at. So you posted a link in chat. I'm looking at this right now. Yeah. yeah. So All basically, right, it's a .jp website. I'm going to let me just explain before Chris complains about it. I'm. Pretty- this is a piece of wood, Alex. <laughs> So it's basically like a two by four, but it's it's not an ugly two by four. It's a nice two by four. Oh, that's actually kind of cool. Yes. So my my <laughs> that was unexpected. My problem with smart devices is that they look like smart devices. Like smart devices. Yeah. It's like yeah. um, I don't know. It they look ugly. Basically, it's the you know oh, yeah. early two thousands. Hey, look how futuristic my house is because it's square type thing. Um. <laughs> So let's get a two by four and bolt no, it to the okay, wall. So <laughs> on that uh, website, first of all, it's been stained. Yes, it's been stained. What I like about it is it's off until you use it as well. So it blends into oh. sort of well, you can much more easily blend it into things. Um, I know they've redone their website and it's a lot more professional looking because this used to be some sort of like WordPress thing because it was like a hobby project, and they had an example right. of. Where they got this idea was they went into some guy's home in the, uh, or like one of their relatives' homes in the countryside, and he had literally his floors, his walls, and his ceiling was like this really nice veneered wood. And they're like, wow, mm. it would be really cool if one of these, you know, like sci-fi, if one of these planks was a, you could interact with one of them. And then they kind of made it. So, dude, you know, a lot of YouTubers have those fake wooden walls. Imagine oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. but yes. real wood. <laughs> And one or two of them are just smart things. And then when you don't use them, they go away. You know, or they, they retract or they, they turn off. They turn off. I mean, you could just take this and blend it into sort of like a headboard or you could put it into like, I don't know, just an art piece, really. Like just having some wood on the wall looks really nice. Yeah. Not going to lie, my first instinct with this is just to like get like a finished like 
like coffee table or something exactly. and just like put this in the middle that of would it be awesome and just have it blend yeah. in okay yeah, yeah. so Great. here's my the idea especially if these are like sorry yeah alex i was speaking. yeah <laughs> here's my idea especially if these are all like wi-fi enabled uh yes they are wi-fi enabled mm -hmm. so just make your entire floor these boards ooh, ooh, ooh. and have some way to like intelligently determine which board should light oh, up. God. Like you look at the floor and one of them that's near oh, you God. will, uh, sounds horrible. We'll, we'll display something. No, that's a neat idea. It'd be neat. Uh, yeah. It's an open source. So, API I mean, I guess well. it depends on context. Uh, yes. Ooh. See, that's oh, good. That's good. IOT stuff needs to be open source and like, able to be audited otherwise it's just some linux distro that hasn't been updated since like 2013 in your light bulb and suddenly the russians are hacking your toaster and shutting down half the internet no, no, my Cali, do you know what's, so, you know what's so funny is i know that actually happened no do you know what's so funny yeah is that sounds crazy conspiracy theory like something you'd hear from frick but that can actually be the reality like you know in the 90s you'd hear someone say that and be like okay granddad just be, you know, like he's completely lost his mind, but that could be the future. They could be right. Right, Frick? I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> um, and on that note, let's move on to the next before topic. We do, no. Before we do, you think about buying one of these MUI um, things, they're very expensive. Um, and that's more well, Japanese, and there's an the import fee, so yeah, I don't doubt that. No, uh, maybe, but the early bird special still on uh that's 720 canadian dollars which is um uh, indiegogo is without loading without scripts i can't look at this it's five 550 Wait, us dollars for the oh early god special. um i mean i don't know how much they're so, gonna be when they are out but i'm guessing probably 650 ish dollars or so oh i actually found the um the hobby pictures Anyway, um, God, yeah, it looks like the screenshots from like a horror indie game. What? Yeah. So I guess I guess my big thing is, with this is this is right now a niche product because, like you mentioned earlier, this is a, an IoT product that is pretty much unlike everything else in terms of how it's trying to just blend in. So I'm guessing that if this, something like this does catch on. And then we uh, have uh, start seeing some of the bigger IoT companies just cranking out similar products. <laughs> I could see the price of something like this come down significantly to like say two hundred dollars or three hundred dollars, given the functionality of that. I mean, shoot, it has the dimmer functionality, uh, thermostat functionality, voicemail. Chris, what are you going about? Uh, go on, I'll tell you my idea when you're done. Okay. <laughs> So, so it was like, you know, it's like because, uh, because it being a niche product. Oh my gosh, Chris, could you shut up for a moment? <laughs> I'm sorry. All right. I got it. Okay. So, because this is a niche uh, product, in terms of how it's presenting itself, the price is going to just remain high until there's more market adoption for something like. Yeah. And I think it's kind of unfortunate because honestly, I would buy one if it was, uh, let's say, 150 US dollars is like my peak of where I'd buy see. 
Honestly, I think I would buy it for $300. Here's the deal. This is wood. It's trying to appeal to hipsters. What we need is a more mainstream, red-blooded American audience. We need smart rock. The Honestly, I was half expecting you to say smart plywood. I, I was expecting you to say like smart quiz or something. <laughs> smart quiz. <laughs> <not. laughs> Man, at least, at least pick a good cheap beer. <laughs> good cheap beer. Oh, no. We're talking about a Gucci watch. Oh, did you guys know no, no, no. that Louis Vuitton made AirPods that are $2,000? I'm not surprised. Oh, my God. And they sold out. But, but this goes back to what we were talking about last week with the Ferrari. Oh, All right. Yeah, but that's terrible. <laughs> this oh, oh, yeah. Gucci <laughs> AirPods. I'm looking up right now. Hang no, on. The Louis Vuitton chocolate is terrible. I've had some How before. Do, you've had it? Yeah. It's actually not expensive at all, but it, it's just normal, like really cheap, you know, not dark chocolate, but it's like 60% dark chocolate where it's like barely counting. Oh, semi-sweet. Yeah. So, so I, it's got I was the, half expecting you to say it was like 90% No, and it's got like fake gold LVs printed on it and it just tastes oh, bad. Gross. It tastes like waxy. Wow, wow. Yeah. I'm looking at a photo of yeah, it right I'm now. Also, oh, it's, it's just like dark, uh, Hershey's special dark. Oh God, um, please. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, please. No. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah. so they, they made two different varieties of it. They made one that came in a regular box, and then they made one that came in lollipops that look like this. Wow. And for those that can't see, it looks like that. You know what it looks like? It looks like those lollipops you get when you were a kid at the bank, and they would just have them wrapped yeah. up in that little bow. That's what that looks like. Really cheap and awful. Well, honestly, no. What it reminds me of is those like knockoff uh like Gucci handbags or whatever with the you know the with the print. Oh yeah, right. like but, but just gold fleck. There you go. But fake. Oh, what well, do you mean well, the Louis Vuitton ones? Because they have the LV. Because well. Okay, so when I I clearly said knockoff like Gucci bags. Yes. So I mean, it's an, it's not even the same <laughs> brand. It's that bad of a knockoff. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I wanted to, I wanted to make a segue earlier about going down the rabbit hole. So there was, uh, just announced last week, a, about 179 gigabytes in customer U.S. government and military records leaked to the internet. Uh, let me look through this article real quick. Yes, this is a, a team says about thousands of individuals were impacted, though it's undetermined what the actual scope of the impact is. It includes booking reservations, uh, including full names, dates of birth, home addresses, phone numbers, travel costs, stuff along those lines. It seems like it's primarily associated with hotels that were the target. I'm not really seeing any specific hotels that were targeted. But 179 gigabytes of user data, that's no small number. Well, you got to think like, okay, 179 gigabytes, right? Like you said, it spans a whole bunch of different things. My thinking is... I, I mean, in terms of data, 179 gigabytes isn't that much in the grand scheme of things. But if you're just looking at hotel reservations and like, who knows if there's like photos and other stuff involved in that, it might not be as bad as you think. It might be like yeah, 2,000, 3,000 like, people. This is like 200 gigabytes of text files, not 200 gigabytes of see, see, 4K video. <laughs> so, 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 okay, I, I went a little bit deeper into the article. So it looks like what was uh, compromised was a... Um, a service known as AutoQuirk. Um, it is a it uses for facilitating communication between different hospital uh, hospitality platforms. 
Um, and it was a database that was leaked. So this is 179 gigabytes worth of database. Oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> That's not good. Um, yeah, so so the numbers of thousands is just the known affected user. Wait a second. Simmons, um, you're in the military. Did you get, did you get uh, owned? No. Uh. So, <laughs> How do you so, know so, this? So funny enough, I, so um, with, without uh, divulging too much information, um, w- the only thing that I was directly affected by was when uh, OSI, I can't remember the name of the actual organization, was compromised, uh, I think, five years ago. And that was uh, the company associated with doing the security clearance background checks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the known affected users were directly contacted by OSI stating that you were compromised and you were eligible for fraud monitoring services provided by the company. Um, I was never contacted, so I assume that I was never affected. Uh, oh, see, now you got to watch out for that because the last time that happened, and I think you, me, and uh, Candy Van on the forum, was when that Equifax break happened. And every single person in the country is like, all their information got leaked. And you can yeah. find it anyway. Oh, yeah, I found- and they went around and so they contacted here- everybody and they said, hey, look, there's going to be a lawsuit. Either sign up for this, and I think you can get like, what was it, like up to 300 bucks, 250 bucks? Yep. Yeah, everybody's going to get like $1 because the sheer scale of people who are like cashing right. it out. Yeah. So, okay, so I would say the difference between the Equifax thing and the OSI thing is that with OSI, um, it was determined who was all compromised um, after several months of research. So if you were not contacted within that year period, it was safe to assume that you were fine. However, I, uh, people were still con- or like everybody who was in the OSI system at the time uh, received a letter stating that this happened. Uh, you may not be directly aff- uh, affected, but you are still eligible for some form of fraud monitoring um, in that regard. Yeah, that was pretty funny. dude. Uh, so when, when everyone got owned by Equifax. The first thing they did was like, hey, you know, we're sorry for that. We got your information leaked out. You can either accept this payout of $200 or we can give you our free identity protection service. <laughs> That's done right, by right. us. Wow. Oh, oh, man, that was classic. It shouldn't be an all, so, really. So going uh, more, uh, going back to the article at hand here. So it says, um, the that there were some government uh booking systems that were associated with the breach just due to the nature of the uh, the, the company and the service that was facilit that that was breached um specifically something known as vpn mentor it says they were able to uh, view records uh relating to the travel arrangements of government and military personnel both past and future uh specifically in the u.s government uh military and the department of homeland security so that's what that's associated with. So now what happens? Um, um, as of right now, I think they're still trying to determine the extent of the breach. Um, it looks like a Computer Emergency Readiness Team of the United States, or CERT, uh, was notified on September 13 of it. Um, they did not respond immediately. And then the entire database uh, was basically revoked on October 2nd. And I took down. a month to do so, all this? Well, so when US CERT was notified, they didn't respond immediately. They kind of just brushed it off. They're like, eh. And then the scope of it was actually determined. And I was like, oh, all right, we're going to react now. <laughs> we were just hanging out. We just, you know, we were just uh, making sure. <laughs> so, so this is a open-ended article at this point because there has been no significant action taken except for the database being revoked uh, at this point. 
So, yeah, I guess uh, more to come on that in the future once we get more publicly available. There you go. Simmons update. Yeah, Simmons Simmons update. update. Simmons, can I identity theft you? No. (laughs) Okay. Oh, did you guys? So a while ago, um, I don't know if this guy is still in business or whatever, but there was this company called LifeLock ages and ages ago. And the founder oh, yeah, of it, yeah. the founder, Todd Davis, their CEO. Uh, yeah, okay. I had a social security I'm, I'm, I'm getting to that. I'm getting point. to that. <laughs> Dude, I listened to the radio in the 2000s. Yeah, Come this on. This is a very good show. So anyway, it was this identity theft protection service in the early 2000s, late 2000s. It might still be around today. And it got famous because the owner of the company would go on national television and bus ads and all this stuff and put his social security number everywhere. Like he would plaster it on billboards, radio, everything you could. He would plaster it up there. And he would taunt he, had a he would taunt people and say, hey, bet you can't hack me. I bet you can't. He was hacked a better part of a dozen times. <laughs> yeah. Using his own idea. He was like, the idea was our identity service is so secure. I can give you all this information and I am unhackable. And I think he specifically used the words unhackable that pissed people off. Because if people, if you had just said it's like it's prevention or it's a difficult or something like that, I don't think it would have gotten that big of a reaction. But when you say the words unhackable on the internet and anyone gets a heard of that, that's a challenge. Wow. <laughs> you know, to, to 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 build on that, I think it was it was either early this year or sometime last year when Apple was advertising the MacBook with the. The uh, the the super hardened, hard, uh, impossible to compromise MacBook, and not even a week after those ads started coming out, there was a vulnerability found <laughs> in the operating system. So it's like you know what? It's like you're giving the internet a challenge. Somebody is going to be smart and stubborn enough to figure it out. And more specifically, you're giving that challenge to people who just like don't tend to respect authority, but so much. Exactly. It's like when uh, what the PS3 uh, secret codes and like the Blu-ray secret codes or whatever. Oh, GeoHot. Yeah, GeoHot. Yeah. There were like DMCA takedowns, and people were like, "No, we're not going to do this." And then they just spread like wildfire. Well, the big thing about that is the guy who did it, Geo George GeoHot Hots, I think his name was. He's the one that leaked all that stuff, and he. I think he ended up working for Sony. Like they, they first they tried to sue him, and then they're like, you know what, we could probably use you. And I think he ended up working for them. Yeah. So, so. it's it can always turn out well. And at the end of the story is, uh, if you're gonna find a vulnerability, go to the company and offer that offer it to them first. See if they give you good money. And if they don't, say hello to Black Hat World because you're gonna make a lot more money on there. Absolutely. Uh, probably don't do that if they have record that. <laughs> you have that security hole it's not illegal to i mean how can you get in trouble it's already it's already out there the hole's already vulnerable hello sir (laughs) your website is vulnerable here's how i hacked it no because a lot of companies will do bounties like facebook and microsoft will all do bounties if you report a bug to them if they don't but frick if they don't and then you exploit that for your own personal gain you're not no but here's the thing here's the thing cynical you aren't doing anything you're just you know putting the information out there and whatever other people do with it is their responsibility you're not telling anyone to hack anything that's extremely illegal but the information is from an already existing vulnerability so how can you get in trouble for something that already exists you can't Mm mm-hmm well, 
Speaking of vulnerability, so I do want to trim. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say since we were just talking about Equifax, uh, not too long ago. So this article came out um, a couple days ago. Um, it looks like there was an Equifax lawsuit associated with their portal used to manage credit card disputes. So the vulnerability in question here was they were using the username admin and the password of admin to protect the back end of their credit card dispute portal. Yep, <laughs> good old admin admin strikes again. So the lawsuit was initially filed. Uh, uh, it was a class action lawsuit back in February uh, on between February 25th, 2016. Uh, no, sorry. No, the, the lawsuit was recently and it was for people who were buying shares within the range of February 25th, 2016 and September 15, 2017. Uh, uh, then there was the data breach in September of 2017. Um, the, the, the lawsuit was settled. And now this comes out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of crappy because, well, it's not like you can really choose to use Equifax as far as I understand. They just have your stuff. They have your um, credit score data and all the things that come along yeah, with and, it. Yeah, and that's, and I think that's what the, the crappiest thing about this is it was the credit dispute portal. Mm. So basically, this was anybody that had an issue with their credit report, and the back end was just protected by admin admin. Wonderful, isn't that's it? It's really weird. Yeah, protect oh. your back ends. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm curious as to why Equifax is even still regarded as accredited at this point or uh, whatever the proper term is. Big contracts, because, too big to fail. Yeah, but at, the, at, like, at this point, it's like how many screw ups can you have before your trust from the megacorps is just completely shattered? I mean, yeah, I think they're just too deeply rooted, though. To How about this? If the fines don't outweigh like the extra cost of moving to a different company they're just gonna stick around yeah and and i've always had an issue with credit report reports for that reason because you just have these three independent companies that are vastly profiting off this kind of stuff and they just have full access to your entire credit history apparently credit reports are just like china's social credit system except for american capitalism oh. Credit reports reports exist worldwide, though. It's not just an American thing. Yeah, no, no. But but specifically what I'm referring to with these credit reports is like you've got the three major ones. You've got Equifax, you got TransUnion, you've got whatever the third one is. And if something just goes majorly south, there's just nothing you can do because of how, like you, like was previously said, of how deep rooted they are. Yeah. It's, It's a shame, honestly. But yeah, I mean, Speaking of uh, like security and stuff, I mean, surprisingly, South Africa didn't have any uh, sort of, you know, credit score breaching things like Equifax. But what's something they did have, which. um, Oh, (laughs) yes. Yeah. The uh, city (laughs) of Joburg's website was held ransom by. Oh, no. Hacker gang. And hacker gang. Yeah. gang, and for people outside of South Africa, he's referring to the city of Johannesburg. These roving gangs of laptop wielding hackers, you got to watch out for them. Yeah, so these definitely group of not twelve year olds called Shadow Kill Hackers 
Oh no, don't say that. Wait, is that actually their yeah, name? Yeah, it's hundred percent yeah. their name. They're definitely not twelve. Look, okay, they spelled shadow with a oh, dollar sign too. For to be fair, they might be fourteen. Anyway, they are asking local officials for four bitcoins, or they'll release they'll release quote unquote city data online. So Okay, so, so once the okay, South African people might actually have some information from their city. So before you go into this, Chris, I want to read uh, some snippets from the the message that popped up on these no, 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 no. I have an opinion about the Bitcoin amount. Mm-hmm. Why do they want four Bitcoins when they could have had 4.20 Bitcoins? Okay, so, okay. Because in parentheses, that's a very small amount of money. Well, yeah, <laughs> but at least go for the 420 joke. No, but they're yeah, 12. Okay. They don't know. So, I don't think there's weed in South Africa. <laughs> uh, we won't go into that anyway <laughs> so it says so so some quotes from the the error message that popped up on a lot of people's computers all of your servers and data have been hacked we have dozens of backdoors inside your city yeah uh, <laughs> what we can shut off everything with a button we also compromised all passwords and sensitive data such as finance and personal population information if you don't pay on time, we will destroy all the data we have and send your IT a full report of how we hacked your system and your security. Oh, yeah. they'll, they'll destroy <laughs> the data if you don't pay them? So I'd like to provide a little bit of context here. This is the city of Johannesburg's sort of website. You know, the website that no one yeah, uses. <laughs> um, when was the last time you went to your city of whatever's website, you know? I didn't know it existed until oh, now. I go, I go there every day. I go there every day to keep up with uh, happenings in the Homeowners Association. Okay, cool. Um, so this, <laughs> I'm white. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> this oh, yeah, this you're right. elite group of shadow kill hackers. <laughs> the elite? Um, yeah. Uh, they're basically demanding for Bitcoins or they'll upload their badly written stolen data of questionable content online. I don't know where online is. Your servers and data so, have been hacked, the note reads. So it's just so pathetic, really. How much do you want to bet all the hacking that they did was like they found the FTP protocol of the website that they left like unchecked and they just typed it into their web browser? I've- Honestly, my theory is they just did a brute force password attack, and or they just like a dic- dictionary password attack, and just, they just got. They just oh, typed in johannesburg.com. They did an admin backslash directory. <laughs> oh look, <laughs> I no, found no, everything. That oh. wouldn't surprise me. The yeah, right. sort of uh, internet security or just security online in South Africa with this kind of stuff is very, very, very bad. I remember <laughs> we used to be able to do our tax returns online. Um. Until basically it was running on like Windows Server 2000 and it got, well, no longer supported. And another government branch had to step in to tell the government to stop offering it online because it was so insecure and, you know, such a large amount of money and type stuff that we can't fix it was their words. We cannot fix the system. (laughs) So we're going to turn it off. Oh, well, I mean, that's smart. Honestly... That is, that is, no, what I, else mean, you, I mean, that's than, given the situation. That's the best they could possibly do. Yeah, but it, yeah, absolutely. I have no faults with that. To just, that, but basically, I'm using that as a point of they the sort of government IT is such a joke in South Africa that this is not surprising by any means. Um, 
it would probably like I, either Frick just, you know, FTP and find the address and it's like, oh, it's there, or just brute forcing it is more than likely how it happened. And um, it's probably like some eight character password, not case sensitive, turns special characters into zeros, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, also, to be frank, the fact that they're asking for four bitcoins into, uh, I don't know. Oh, no, they're asking for it into a wallet address. Just asking for four bitcoins is also just kind of like. <sighs> like all the hackers know, Alex, know how- if you're going to do it, use Monero, for God's sakes. No, but remember, <laughs> we we talked about this for uh, last week, where the, even though the bitcane, uh, the bitcanes, oh man, man, I'm doing great, but no, the bitcoins are not secure in terms of these anonymous transactions. It's the most valuable one. So I mean, you get the bitcoins and you just convert it to whatever else, and then you're basically done. Yeah, that's so. Jesse, I looked up the current price of one bitcoin right now. It's about ninety one hundred. So it's still pretty decent. They basically asked for like what, thirty-six grand USD. Yeah, a small amount of money. We got to remember that. Yeah, course. right. We we must always keep that in mind. But the thing is, uh, I thought yeah, you're right about Bitcoin being the most valuable cryptocurrency right now. But the do you know what the second most valuable is? Uh, Ether. Please tell me it's Dogecoin. Oh yeah, yeah, it's Ether. It's Ether- Ethereum. Yeah, oh, Ether. One hundred and eighty-two bucks per Ethereum coin. It's oh, no, actually, pretty good then. Wrong answer. It's not Ethereum. It's Bitcoin Cash for three hundred dollars a coin. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. Yep. Bitcoin Cash. Yeah. I cash mine out for. I think I cashed See? mine out at like seven hundred bucks a coin or something, which See, wasn't very I, good. But it was as soon as it got forked. I, I see. I remember the Bitcoin cash because they basically said we were cloning everything, and then everybody got their clone Bitcoin cash, and then they just yeah, right. back into Bitcoin. Yep. <laughs> and now I'm rich. I sold mine into USD. In fact, hmm. there you go. I'm taking fiat because uh, fiat is less imaginary money than Bitcoin. So if you want to know what they got into, what it sorry, just going back to the thing, it looks like they just got into the AD directory, and then the DNS records. Oh, <laughs> oh you know, my and then with god! With the DNS records, you can just I don't know. Turn off yeah, the site. just mess with the, or, uh, the A records or something, and then the AD, site go off. AD they're just going to grab sort of contact information and pretend like they have stuff and threaten them. Well, I suppose with the, the with the AD compromise, it depends on how heavily integrated that they are with AD. Because I know with AD, you can definitely push a lot of personal information into it. And my theory yeah, is that they were just site. using. Just they were probably using Active Directory as the primary hub of all user information. So there is a potential that maybe the entire company's user base was compromised in terms of personal information. Yeah, they also I don't uh, think they're pretty smart either. Let's be honest. Probably not. Like the, any but, of these, it's like what you generally see is like a month later, these people get caught and arrested. And it's like, was the four bitcoins worth it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, they, they're probably so stupid. They're like, okay, where, what address do we send your Bitcoin to? And they give them the real address. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, honestly, hello, yes. Things like this. It's like, if you are like, I don't know, interested in hacking stuff and whatever, and you're 12 years old and you name yourself Shadow Kill Hackers, the <laughs> best thing you can do is actually go to the government or go to the people and be like, yo, we found these exploits. Uh, give us money or hire us or something. 
I mean, yeah, yeah, that's right. your best course of action. No, no, because unfortunately, what would happen in that kind of situation? Hey, hey, we 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 don't say the specifics. We found these exploits. Yeah. Well, no, we found these exploits. Uh, you should pay us to to have them fixed. You get arrested. What? Yeah, like there are so, there are so many examples of like people, like students, finding massive vulnerabilities in the network that their public school district uses, and it's like. This is a very real security problem, and they get prison time at the ripe age of 15 because grown-ups don't understand how computers work and public schools are just worthless. And you compromised the network. This is bad and scary. You compromised. You can't all you did this. was, like, you changed the background paper. <laughs> how could Yo, you do this? Well, it's not, it's not, stand. Well, it's not even that. A lot of, a lot of the students that I've read about that forward with these kinds of vulnerabilities to the school they typically get the boot from the school and they, or they get like expelled or something uh, it's it's pretty sad that's just dumb it's like let's yes. just bury let's just bury the information and never fix it because that's the the best way to protect yourself from a computer vulnerability is just to keep burying just pretend it. it doesn't exist just that's like not real bad. life it's all good <laughs> <laughs> so so speaking of uh, 1B hacker groups, um, I wanted to uh, transition to this other article that we've got here. Mm -hmm. So we've got a group of individuals uh, who are posing as the notorious Russian hacking group Fancy Bear. Uh, they uh, Fancy Bear was actually, uh, they gained their notoriety from uh, hacking uh, several White House systems, or United States White House systems back in 2014, and then the DNC back in 2016. So uh, this group that's posing as Fancy Bear right now, they are orchestrating uh, DDoS attacks and ransom-based DDoS attacks as well, where they will perform the DDoS and then they will contact uh, the affected individuals and demand a ransom. So one of the, um, the letters that has come forward with the ransom note is basically stating... We are Fancy Bear. No, they're not. And if you give us a payment of two Bitcoin, uh, we will what stop. with all these lowball offers? Come on, guys. Have some confidence. <laughs> well, so, so from what it looks like, uh, many of the victims uh, were located in Singapore, South Africa, and Scandinavia. So, wow, we've come full circle. We're back in South Africa again. Uh, uh, I want to so, leave. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it looks like uh, they're just targeting easy targets smaller targets and they're demanding two bitcoin because quite frankly on the grand scheme of things such as what uh the the last group uh what was it hacker kill or something like that <laughs> um it's it, it's they're targeting pe people with the the hopes that they'll just pay it off pay off the 15 grand and then move okay on. so kind just to give you an idea of what a big giant waste of time these guys are doing i looked up the bug bounty programs that are going on right now of companies that'll willingly pay that for more than one bounty the highest paid bounty right now that you can get is from intel who if you can find um something wrong with the company's hardware firmware and software they'll pay you up to 30k for detecting critical bugs and then dropbox surprisingly $33,000 if you can find one that affects the, uh, what do you call it, to, 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 to any of the vulnerabilities in their systems. So at the minimum, hmm. 12K. Maximum, 33K. All that time that you spent doing this low-level nonsense, you could have been making some serious dough. 
I've yeah. seen a lot higher than like just you know tens of thousands. I've seen like <laughs> oh Microsoft's giving two hundred and fifty. I think, I think it's just like um, mm-hmm. demonstrating that the bug exists. Like if you can actually yeah. implement a fix or something, it's worth a lot more. Oh no, so yeah, so, so it's the, the same thing. Yeah, you're right, cynical. You're right. There's uh, if you look at Apple's bounties, they will pay a minimum of a hundred thousand. <laughs> If you can find something wrong with the data protected by Apple's secure enclave technology, and then you can also get uh, two hundred thousand if you can find something with the security issues affecting its firmware. Wow! So that was the thing I wanted to point out is that those bounty programs that you're referring to, they are typically software based, and it's like find a bug or a flaw or a vulnerability within the software. Uh, what we're looking at here with these last two groups that we've been talking about is. It's just denial of service. Yeah, pretty much. And denial of service is not a security vulnerability. Now, granted, the the South African or uh, the Joburg site, uh, that was denial of service based on messing with DNS. This one from the the imposter fancy bear group, uh, they appear to just be doing DDoS against websites or companies or servers or whatever else um and we'll stop for two bitcoin and then move on it just kind of seems to be how it works couldn't you just like go on cloudfare and just solve all this in like a day uh yes and no um it really all depends because a lot of people don't want to pay for cloudfare services okay let me put you like this would it be cheaper to get cloudfare for a year or pay two bitcoin um Yes, and that's the problem. Is like, is like people don't think that there's a security problem until there's a security problem. Yeah, that's basically. Companies. I will simply not be insecure. I mean, <laughs> I, I can, I can, I can refer back to an incident at my personal workplace where we had our major uh, network SAN die due to the interconnect on the back of it. And it was a known issue for four years. And then magically when it died, oh, now we're going to spend the money to fix it. <laughs> So, so that's that's just a major problem with with many corporations. Like, it's fine for now. It'll last a couple more years. We promise that we will eventually do it, and then it breaks. And now they have to. Fix it. Yeah, I remember you uh, drunk and pissed off with regard to that in the aftermath. Oh my god! I mean, I mean, I there's a lot of stuff that I will not go on, into on this podcast. But, oh yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I think your emotions are fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not violating opsec. <laughs> No, no, no. That was a fun time. <laughs> Thank you for validating Simmons' emotions, Chris. Yeah, I know what emotions are. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at reading them. Okay. Um, sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> no confidence in me. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> You're welcome, son. What? Uh, okay, so. Yeah, right? I don't know. Speaking of um, security as well, on this kind of security breaching topic um their wave audio files are now being used to hide malicious code which seems wait what yeah yeah web files yeah it seems pretty interesting um mal- uh, malware's trend from moving from png and jpeg to wave files so and the technique oh, is known as like iconography yes exactly and it's the art of hiding information in plain sight essentially in another medium so it, yeah, it's moving from pictures to sounds, which is. Oh wait, no, Alex, you know about this, isn't there a technique where you can actually hide uh, images in regular oh, yeah, audio? Yeah, yeah. yeah so 
um, don't know if that's related at all, but you could kind of in the frequencies that aren't used, I guess you can just kind of put images in if you yeah. play it through a wave thing. S- so like oh yeah yeah like the spectrogram yeah. spectrogram that's what it's called yeah I, I know that because if you um if you look at the waveforms of the spectrogram of the doom soundtrack the new doom soundtrack by mick gordon there's all these like six six sixes hidden in it it's pretty dope yeah yeah i know uh yeah, so, like um, death grips had images in their album if you play it back in the wave i'm not surprised yeah one thing you can do uh, with regard to hem- hidden images and uh, steganography, uh, if you take, let's say, the least significant bit of each color channel in a bitmap or like the two least significant bits, um, you can encode a picture in it. Because if you just like, if you, you know, alter that by one bit, it's not going to be visibly different. Um, but you could have, say, a six bit or a three bit color image that you could just hide in your regular image if you know where to look. But that's the point of it. You have it hidden in plain sight. It's not even encrypted. Um, There was a really cool technique that I read about which used um, file fragmentation where basically it was data hidden in the locations of sectors on a hard drive. So if um, if you had consecutive sectors like they're not fragmented that was a one if they were fragmented then that was a zero and you could uh you could like recover the data that way that was used by um a middle eastern military group i'm not sure which country but there's there's neat stuff you can do with it so going back to the way file vulnerability uh so it appears that uh how it worked was uh the virus actually had to already be present on the system for it to take effect. So you had this uh, planted piece of malware that was basically inactive until this wave file would play. And when the wave file would well, execute, I guess, um, it would implant a DLL onto the system that would trigger a logic bomb that would just wreak havoc on the, on the system. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because you've got to have something installed because it's just random noise until you can get something to decode it. So that's going to be where your malware is. So I, I guess the big thing with this, though, is like because wave files are notoriously large just due to being a glossless uh, audio format, yeah. right? So if you could, say, plant a multi-piece form of malware into a album and somebody just flips through the album real quickly, oh, great now we've just got a virus on your computer wonderful and then wave files are used in a lot of advertisements on the web just because they're wave files and they're compatible so with like everything oh yeah exactly which is pretty neat but yeah um it's neat but also slightly terrifying yeah <laughs> that's actually a really cool idea though just like a cd that as you play it hacks your computer yeah that would be i mean how didn't Sony try that once and just like bricked iMac uh, CD drives? Do you know? Oh, I kind of know what you're talking about. Wasn't it supposed to actually just be their sort of anti-piracy type thing? And oh, it, Star Force. Yeah, and it bricked hardware. Yeah. What's that for? It was called Star Force, yeah. And the, the thing was, it wasn't just uh, DRM. It was DRM that was like encoded into the actual BIOS, so you couldn't get rid of it no matter what. <laughs> Oh, good. oh uh, yeah. I think we're talking about a different thing. No, maybe. Um, I don't know. It's a really long time ago when people actually <laughs> used CDs. So yeah, it was like it was either Star Force or Secure. No, it wasn't Secure ROM. It was Star Force. Yeah, 
Can can I just yeah I point mean, out quickly? Honestly, that we're in a generation where um, CDs are literally all VHS tapes slash all cassette tapes. Yeah. Hey, we have a member of this podcast who has been very intimately working with CDs over the past uh, several yeah, months. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Give me a second. We've got he's special. Uh, Files he's Z CD Rip V2. Had to do this a second time because I screwed up the first <laughs> time. Uh, 542 discs. Chris. Oh, sorry. 542 plus nine. 551 discs. Okay, so... I, I will defend him a little bit. He was digitizing his family's library of CDs. So, yeah, because when dad ripped him years ago, it was in like 128K MP3 and uh, no. Back, what I do like with uh, time as well is that you kind of get, you, well, I don't know. It seems like 10 years ago, you didn't care about sound quality as much as you do now. And I'm using oh, you as not. like a plural. Because I, I go back yeah, at some one. of my... Um, previous songs that i took from a cd and it's like 64 kilobit mp3 and i'm like oh why? yeah Jesus, <laughs> yeah yeah like I'm, i mean some I'm, of my old music were uh, radio rips i mean and, and you want to talk about like the absolute lowest quality audio you can get. yeah rip it yeah. from am radio oh baby. god <laughs> anyway moving on um there's two or three sort of interesting gaming news um blizzcon was going on this uh, past week and they announced diablo 4 which is really really cool actually um uh, uh <laughs> so diablo 4 with the marketplace too uh, uh no i, I was i, I go, no just go uh, on just go on simmons just go on because i'm just go on I, 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 I honestly, after Diablo three, like Diablo three did nothing for me. So I'm not, I just really have no excitement for Diablo. Well, 4. they ruined the aesthetic of Diablo with Diablo three. It was way too bright. It was too shiny, happy. If you've seen the gameplay for Diablo four, it's dark and it's gothic and it's filthy. It's great. So no, the I, downside is okay, so, there's no offline mode. They confirmed everything is going to be online only. I'm fine with that. So yeah, it's dark hang and on, gothic. Hang on. It's uh, like Blizzard's dance on Hong Kong. Cool. Okay. So <laughs> I actually am very excited for Diablo 4 and I want to, I, I really like what they're doing with the visuals. It looks very well done um, in terms of, okay. so a thing that I, I place a lot of emphasis on with games and which is why I really generally like the Diablo franchise is music is a huge, huge thing. Diablo's music is just outstanding and it always has been outstanding with setting a mood. Uh, the next thing is generally like lighting, mood, and storytelling. Diablo 3 really fell back on those. Um, it was a lot more rounded. I mean, it was very obviously based on Star the StarCraft 2 engine. It had its roots in there. And you could kind of tell from everything was a bit too roundish and cartoony. And the sort of game devs for this have very... They've said lots of times that, that whatever the sequel is, they don't want to do that again. And yeah, they're... If you look at the gameplay trailers, if you look at the cinematics, which are amazing, it's not following that at all. It's it's very dark. They kind of seem to be reducing as well the kind of mass slaughtering of enemies because Diablo 3 got very ridiculous, like to a point of where you would just lag because there was thousands of enemies on the screen and your CPU couldn't keep up. Um, and... I guess if they're going back to their roots, I, 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 I'll give them credit, but honestly... like. So, 
through I, the years, Diablo one and two really didn't uh, do a whole lot oh, for me. So Diablo three, really you just lost any credibility forever. Crowd. That's the crazy. Talk. I mean, that's. I mean, and and that's fair. I'll give you. I that. played Diablo one and I played Diablo one only twice. I think Diablo two, I probably played for six, seven years. Like I completed that game many, 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 many times over and over again. It is one of my favorite games, and. Um, sure. Diablo 3, I, I really enjoyed as well, but in a very different way. It's a lot more... Sure. Uh, Diablo 2, I like, never played online. Diablo 3, I like never played offline. Um, I, yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> because the multiplayer was really good. I, I actually have, I have oh, okay. no issue with Diablo being online because Diablo 1 and 2, I think people like to forget this, was absolutely, completely ridden with hacking. Like it was the easiest and most readily game to be God. hacked, and it would completely ruin yeah. the online because people would just put in cheat items that would one shot you. You'd leave the town and die, and you lose your entire character, <laughs> everything, all your progress. And everyone was doing it, so no one played online. And then they brought in the online, sure. like you have to be online to do um, just to do anything basically. And everyone's like, "Oh no, it's terrible." But they're like true reasoning for it. And I get it was terrible because the launch was pretty crap, like era 31 or 37, I think it was for the first two days. That annoyed me a lot. But the concept behind it, I'm completely fine with where the online server basically validates that the item it's dropping is a legitimate item, you know, so that you can't put in sort of middleman things. I mean, people did find a way around it, but it made it a lot harder to spoof items, hack items in and stuff like that, which kept everyone a more level playing field. Um, well, that's the thing. If you look at one of the biggest websites on the planet for a while was a d2jsp.org, um, yeah, which was exclusively a site dedicated to trading Diablo items. That was it. Uh, and actually, because of that, I think is why Blizzard went with the marketplace for a while, because people made a lot of money on d2jsp. A yeah. lot of money, dude. In fact, I, I'm visiting the site now, and it's still active. Like it's re- even Diablo three, which you would think wouldn't need a marketplace on there. Um, it's still really, really active, and so is Diablo two. So I have a question for that. Um, in regards to that marketplace, was there a, a way to pull the money out of your account and put it back into like a bank account or something? No. Well, after you sold items or was it, was it basically you got the items and then you got the in-game cash and that was it. uh are you talking about the auction house that was kind of around for the first six months of diablo 3 sure i mean because because specifically to what frick was referring to where people made a lot a very, of money on very these different items. so that that's uh, i don't want to say illegal but it's an unofficial unsupported third-party marketplace trading thing. You'll see the same with WoW and a lot of MMOs. Yeah, Counter-Strike Source. I mean, Counter-Strike Go. Yeah, it's very similar to that. Uh, Diablo, when it launched, obviously, you remember the auction house. That was terrible. Um, Mm -hmm. Diablo 3's launch was bad. I mean, that's the best way to put it. it, The campaign was too long. Wasn't that well thought out? And the multiplayer was you ground for hours to get a legendary item that was probably worse than your rare or common item. And (laughs) it wasn't good. But they, what I really like about Diablo 3 is that they spent so much time, money, and resources on fixing that game. It was weird. You'd think you were paying monthly for it because they brought out so many quality of life balance and just ridiculous amount of updates to that game for nothing like 
the game in the beginning was is nothing like the game is today. It's a very well thought out multiplayer game now. It's it's quite grindy still, but that's the the nature of a hack and slash game, really. Um, yeah. I actually really enjoy it. I don't have any problems. Yeah, I probably put like two thousand hours in Diablo three, so I am quite biased to it. But sure. it's it's a very fun, rewarding sort of combat experience. But it's nothing like Diablo two. I enjoy it for a different reason. And what I do like is that they said they want to try and keep those combat things where. You know, it's it's very rewarding actions and sort of flow of killing units and up, you know, uh, skilling up your character, upgrading your armor and stuff like that. You're going for different paths and sets without being locked into one thing for your character, like you were in Diablo two, and then having to restart right. your entire character. I think people forget that as well. Diablo three, you can just kind of change your skill points. Um, yeah, so they want that. That they want the storytelling and the cinema and the sort of feel and vibe from Diablo 2. And if they can pull it off, if they can pull off a really good single player and have the multiplayer, I'm I don't know. I think it's gonna be an amazing game. I'll definitely get it then. Honestly, I'm, me and some buddies were just talking about that today. It's like honestly we need more good single player games. So if Diablo 4 pulls off good single player, then I'm we, all for we should it. Definitely but, play you know, it's, it's just well. like you could it's gonna have the multiplayer I mean, party oh, thing. <sighs> Only if it's affordable, because it quite be. frankly, I can't justify spending $60. <laughs> It'll be 60 on... bucks, I promise you. I can't justify spending $60 on a game that I'm really just vaguely interested in. Yeah, well. I mean, a lot it's of different it's just, for me. Yeah. You're, you're going to be investing into an ecosystem because, like, you know, Alex said, they put a lot of free stuff in Diablo 3, like a lot. And I think the main thing sure. is you're seeing this a lot with video games, especially like big budget AAA type things where there's this push for like a persistent world where uh, Destiny's doing it, like Destiny 2 is doing it. Yeah, even like Fortnite to an extent is doing it. Where Skyrim's doing yeah, it. Yeah, like, like Rainbow, for the Rainbow Six, uh, Siege is yep. doing it. Like all these worlds where you're buying a game, but it's being continually updated with content all the time. Tekken 7, like the fighting game community is really big with it. I think that that's the trend that's, that's sort of happening right now. And this is Blizzard and Activision. So I can guarantee you they're going to be doing that. Um, I don't think it's a bad trend, really, because, I mean, if you're giving me more content for free, I can't really think of a problem like that. It's not like the days of, like, you know, uh, the old, I think, when DLC first started coming out, when they would have yeah, art, server. when they would have content already on the disc that was locked away behind DLC. It's not like that right. so much. I mean, microtransactions, that's a different thing. But if we're talking about, like, hardcore expansion packs and stuff like that which the diablo series so, has always done well i can't really see an issue so okay, frick, so, frick i'll make the argue okay, with regard to uh on disc dlc it hasn't really gone away because if you look at how many like games are doing roadmaps now where they're adding these features it's still the same idea it's planned dlc like well, i mean but how do you yeah, know that I, how can you how could you know that uh, because the roadmap says that the DLC is planned. Is that no? Okay, no. The the argument I've always held, I've always heard, is like, okay, uh, they're giving us like this. Oh, what's that awful thing that's on our gaming all the time, where it's like a game in 1999. Uh, back in these days, you get the whole meal, but now the the mustard is the pre-order exclusive yeah. and the hamburger is I don't it, know. no it's like an image <laughs> yeah, of the mona yeah, lisa yeah, yeah, yeah. and then like 1999 it's the whole mona lisa and then like 2005 it's like 30 75 of the mona lisa and then it just keeps going on and on like that that was yeah, the yeah. argument like you wouldn't get the complete game and you know what there's a lot of games 
that came out in the past that was like that, where you would get the game and then like a major part of the story would be locked behind some DLC thing or locked behind some sort of something you have to purchase to finish the story. That, Mm. yeah, that's horrible and that's crappy. But if it's like after it's already over and after the story is complete and you're not losing anything, then I think that's fine. So I, I will say my, my counter argument uh, to Diablo 4 because it does sound promising in the way that y'all are describing it. Y'all, uh, my biggest y'all. issue... All right, listen here. But, <laughs> my, 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 my biggest issue is just with more so Blizzard as a company these days and just a lot of the trends that we've been seeing with the industry. Like When you look at like Destiny to Destiny 2, there wasn't really a whole lot of difference in gameplay, but Destiny 2 was like a fully-fledged game where Destiny 1 kind of felt like a a beta almost just due to the lack of content and the lack of support. Well, I mean, there was definitely support, but it was it didn't feel like a full game. And then you had to buy in order to make it feel like a full game. Um, and then you look at stuff like, you know, in, in recent news, like Overwatch 2 is a perfect example where you've got Overwatch 1, which is just fine and thriving just well, and Overwatch 2, to me, just feels like a cash grab just to continue the story, which was an argument provided by one of my co-workers. It's just... So, what story? If if the Diablo 4 will provide you a full-fledged story and then will give you room to, in the future, purchase expansion packs and the game will have a life beyond, say, the one, two years of hype, then great. I'm all for it. I feel like Witcher uh, has done that well. Mm. Uh, one good example. Hmm. Skyrim. Because <laughs> well, no, no, no. no I, I'm specifically refer- referring to Witcher 3 where you had this really full-fledged game and it could, you could spend hours upon hours just trying to complete this thing. Like I think I had a friend who put like 200 hours into a campaign and then the DLC comes out and you have another 80 hours of content. Yeah. Or something like I, that. Or you know. I'm all or for Shovel Knight, it. for example. The amount of free content that came out for Shovel Knight is insane. Like, it's just exactly. more free stuff and more free stuff. And, uh, oh, God, actually, what is it? The last, I think you already mentioned this, but how, like, how, exactly how much free content came out for the last Witcher game? A lot, right? Like, a ridiculous yeah. amount for free. Exactly. Like, if it's a game that is actually trying to keep the game going and just keep the community content and satisfied and then maybe at some point like some major dlc release i mean i can even look at wow uh you look back at like the the original release of classic wow and then you had this expansion that added this entire new story this entire new set of features and the game just kept developing and developing and developing into the mess that is is these days but the life of wow has been years like a couple decades at this point if if i'm if i have my timelines correct and what I'm about perfect- Minecraft? Minecraft's added like a lot of stuff as well. Sure, sure, and and, that's, and but and that one's a, a unique example because uh, Mojang fully supports the modding community, and like you can just mod the hell out of the game to just turn it into a completely different game, which also, I think is really interesting. Shout out to my uh, to uh, Microsoft for continuing to support the Java edition and uh, yes, not really but- changing anything. So, so I mean, that's my thing. Is like if Diablo Four does have a plan to make the game last and doesn't feel like you're being shoehorned on the initial purchase just to spend a lot more money to keep the purchase going, I'm looking at you, Fallout seventy six. Country Then, then honestly, I I foresee that Diablo Four could be a good game so long as it just has a good plan in that regard. So yeah, what you did mention, I don't know if you played 
well, I mean, if you're not really that interested in it, I don't know if you play Diablo 3, Diablo 3 Reaper of I Souls, and then the Necromancer expansion. It's pretty much what you said, minus Diablo. So Diablo 3 Vanilla was, yeah, rocky, and then it got quite good towards the end. Then Reaper of Souls released, and it's like, this is what Diablo 3 should have been. And then it's, you know, they kept evolving and kept getting better. And then the Necromancer pack was like, it was, I want to say it's DLC, but they added new character, new sort of campaign line, mm-hmm. new maps, new, a whole bunch of multiplayer stuff. And there was like, I think $20. Um, so okay. it's like, so was Reaper of Souls free? No, no. Reaper of Souls was an expansion pack, but it was like a full on expansion pack. Like it continued the story. Um, it was less than the original game, as far as I remember. Well, okay, I, I, you know, it, oh. it's, it's like this is this weird gray area. But but once again, it goes back to my complaint with Destiny One, where it was it just felt like a, a relatively unfinished game, that a really short campaign, and now you're spending money to get the real experience. Out of it. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Kind of, but yeah. I mean, Diablo Three was just like I'm not saying it was a good game. It's just like it got fixed. Basically, it was they learned their lesson. It's I a mean, good game now, I guess. <laughs> but it's yeah, not a good follow-up. Yeah, but game. I'd also it is worth mentioning that Blizzard North made Diablo Two. Uh, Blizzard North doesn't exist anymore. They all have gotten right. left their jobs, probably quit rather than got fired. Who knows? Uh, it's a typical... Or absorbed. Well, yeah, it's theory. not the same people making it. Basically. And not to mention, the, the creator of Diablo itself, I think Jay Wilson? I'll have to double-check that. But the creator of Diablo itself, as in the first game, has mm. publicly, like, d- decreed, like, pretty much, um, how do you say, disowned the franchise now? He's like, yeah, they screwed up. Oh, absolutely. Up. He w- I think he went and made... Did he make Torchlight? Or did I he make the other one? Path of Exile. Was- Path of Exile, okay. I think. Oh, I think. well, that explains a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm actually, I played Path of Exile. I didn't actually enjoy it as much, but... It, it lacks yeah. a certain uh, finesse with the combat. The, the problem with yeah. Path of Exile, the combat feels really hollow and doesn't have enough weight to it, whereas mm. something with Diablo 3, despite its aesthetics being eh, more like a Disney cartoon than like an actual Diablo well, game, okay, so the combat it, feels great. Like, it's fun to kill stuff. Yeah, it's not that bad in terms of graphics. But you also, sorry, well, you did mention the whole Hong Kong thing going on with Blizzard. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're not allowed to be excited for Diablo because Blizzard's an evil company now because Twitter told me so. Um, no, that's just a PR department. No, but like... They've always been evil. Yeah, that's kind of the, the thing is, like, also people are like, oh, Overwatch 2 is terrible. You know, oh, it's terrible in concept at least. Um, you shouldn't be excited for this other thing that the company is making. It's like, I can hold uh, multiple opinions of the same company's different products, you know? Like, God. I'm excited for Diablo 4. Overwatch 2, I think, is stupid, and it should be an expansion pack for Overwatch. Absolutely. I'm like, not like, going to buy it. Here's Just a, a like TF2. <laughs> Like, uh-huh. seriously, like, TF2, it's the game that keeps getting content. <laughs> the game content that keeps giving. In one way or another. Uh, TF2 might not be the best example. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, but, but once again, that's the game that has... Yeah, CSGO. Really good okay, with that. Here, here's the thing, though, because, like, this this really came to a head. I actually had to, like, mute words on Twitter for my own sanity. <laughs> um, so they wouldn't show yeah, up in my feed. But, like, regarding um, the whole Blizzard Hong Kong thing... Mm-hmm. 
it's really nothing like it's an entertainment company and they don't have a whole lot of sway compared to say tech companies like amd who has modified their ryzen architecture specifically the cryptographic engine specifically for the chinese market wonder why they did that um we've got a bunch of um but how come uh, ai how companies come we're not seeing, we've had a bunch of sorry how come we're not seeing boycott amd then is that because amd's the good guy well no no, because as I was about to say, there's also NVIDIA who is selling their Teslas and their mm -hmm. Quadros and all of their GPUs um, for AI compute to companies in China that are using facial recognition. And if you've been keeping up the news, China is currently using uh, facial recognition to identify and genocide an ethnic group. That's a big oof. So like, oof. That's a little yeah. bit worse than uh, <laughs> that's a bigger conversation. Here we go. <laughs> but like, Here honestly, though, as far as like Blizzard goes, that's nothing. No, but I mean, like in the in the same vein, I can I do not agree with what they did. Like, I think it was quite a crappy. Thing oh yeah, no, do. like it's a dumb thing to do, but yeah. yeah. And I mean, hell, Marvel's been like censoring or altering their movies in China for ages. So yeah. Eh? Like Blizzard, I think Blizzard just really came in at a bad time with this. No, like I, I especially with, with like BlizzCon a month later. Well, I mean that's a scheduled thing. I disagree with what they did, but like yeah. it doesn't mean that I'm going to suddenly hate the devs of Diablo Four. You know? No, yeah, it's God. Yeah, publisher developer. That's hate the publisher, not the developers. Yeah, hate the player, not the game. I, I mean, I in a lot of forums, <laughs> they're like, oh, I'm. You know, one of the things that I saw with the post that actually it annoyed me because it's it's like the generic Reddit statement that's just copy pasted for this is the new company we hate. Um, it's like, oh, uh, when will people wake up and see that Blizzard has been shafting its um, what was it shafting people who buy its games forever now? When will people finally stop giving these people money so we can have real games made? And then somebody inserts that that JP JPEG of Modern Warfare Two. <laughs> oh, I know that one. Yeah, it's such a classic. It's just, uh, oh wow. Oh god, there was a screenshot on Reddit though. Uh, somebody posting in r slash Blizzard. How do I recover my Blizzard account? I deleted it two weeks ago. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. yeah, I want all my items back. I spent money. <laughs> wow. Oh well. I think this is a good place to wrap it up before um, Mr. Yeah, he before I say any more film. regrettable things. Yeah. Like, let's, <laughs> let's not insult Mr. Winnie the Pooh. So, um... Alex, if you make a Winnie the Pooh reference, I'm going to smack you in the face. Yeah. That's also another thing that I'm going to have to mute on the Twitter. Yeah. So, um, oh, we missed out the chickens. Ugh, you know what? We'll leave it for later. Yeah, So, thank you everyone for joining us on this uh intrepid journey yeah. throughout podcast history yeah especially you mark thank you for joining us thank, <laughs> thank you, you mark. mark thank you mark so thank you and good night <laughs>